asleep beneath the flowers. I fell asleep beneath the flowers. For a couple of hours. For a couple of hours. On a beautiful day. On a beautiful day. Daydreams grow. I dream of you amid the flowers. For a couple of hours. Such a beautiful day. Uh, it's a spy from behind my giant robot's eyes. I keep them happy cause the mic fall out if he cries. Scared of heights so a mic pass out if he flies. Keep them all autopilot Greetings everyone and welcome to the Etymology Rules Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Salali Bay, and here at Etymology Rules, we aim to equip people worldwide with the knowledge and the power of words. So Etymology Rules podcast is one way that we seek to reach that that goal. But additionally, as many of you know, I have a book that was recently published. It's called Etymology Rules Back to Basics, and you can find it on my website, However, some big news, it is now officially on Amazon, so you can order a print copy or you can get a Kindle version, that's the ebook, and you know, I really believe that this book can teach people some foundations about language that helps them to open the conversation or dive into a conversation about other aspects of language um, because, you know, it permeates our society. But in order for you to play with the big dogs, you got to have the foundation down pat. So uh, check it out today. And uh, for those who've gotten it, I'd love if you send me a review, send me a comment. Love to hear your thoughts. All right. So as I promised, we're going to have an interview today for um, National Poetry Month. Um and, you know, I am of the belief that rap, hip hop is poetry, um, which we'll get into today with my guest, um, Osiris Anthem. So I'll give you a little bit of background. Osiris Anthem is a, a rapper, a freestyle artist, a poet, um, awesome and amazing. So if you are not following him, please do so now. I'm just going to say that now. I know normally we do it at the end, but he's so dope. Please follow now Maroon Waters on Instagram so you can see some of uh, his creativity. But uh, some highlights. He has won the end of the week uh, competition twice. And for those who aren't familiar, I certainly wasn't um, until I just started doing some research. But it is arguably... Uh, a competition to show who is the best rapper, period. So um, we might get a little into that, but yes, definitely acclaimed. Um, and yeah, I'm just ready to get into everything because like I said, I've been really excited for this interview. So uh, I guess my first question is kind of generic. When and why did you start rapping? Um. I started rapping when I was a 16, yeah. Um, and why, why did I start rapping? It was something to do with friends, I would say. At the time I was in uh, middle school, not middle school, I was in high school. And we were doing some like poetry exercises in one of my classes. And I started to realize I had a little bit of a knack for like um, writing poems and it was actually, a title writing exercise 
that um, one of my teachers had us doing where they would give us an article and then it would be like, yo, create a title for this. And I was able to like create some like kind of witty titles. And I realized I had a little bit of a feel for that. And then I had my homeboy, Kish, who um, he was into rap. And during that time he was right. He was rapping and I was like my best friend in school. So naturally it was something that we were both doing. So yeah, that was kind of my inception. Okay, so one thing that I pulled from that, just because I'm a teacher, is that you had a teacher that basically kind of inspired you. To be yes, yes, yes. Oh. In fact, shout out to Mr. Vieira and Miss Daring. Yeah. So to all the teachers who may be listening, like it really matters, the things that you say, um, because it could take, take your students really far, further than you probably could even imagine. But I agree. I'm, I'm a teacher as well. Oh, and okay. I don't know if you know um, the story about uh, Abbott Elementary, that I show, mm-hmm. and how um, Homegirl created it. Then she named the show after her middle school teacher, Miss Abbott, who like was encouraging her and telling her at a very young age that she was dope and that she could do great things. And it was something that she remembered all them years later, even after she lost contact with Miss Abbott, you know? And so, so proof of what you just said, facts. Indeed, indeed. So um, at what point did you see yourself as like making rap a career or, um, you know, I think I just remember when I was younger, we used to sit in the car freestyle and but I didn't necessarily think, oh, I'm about to do this like for real. So when did you realize that? Jeez, um, I don't think I realized it yet. Well, I would say it really started to just become a thing thing more like in my late 20s, actually. Um, I was winning a lot of competitions. And that was my first time actually participating in a lot of events. So I was participating in a lot more events than I was earlier in my life. And I was winning a lot of them. And I think one of the key points was when I got my job, um, this company called The Ride, Experience The Ride. It's a tour off Broadway kind of show that um, hires different acts and they, ha- they have a rapper as a part of the show. And um, I met a brother named Daron Lev, who was a dope rapper who worked for them. And he put me on. And that was my first time having a job that was paying me to rap. And so that kind of opened up a lane where it was like, oh, I'm getting consistent income for rapping on top of me winning competitions and making a little money here and there, you know? Um, And so it all kind of formulated together from me winning comps and me having an actual job rapping. And then when I got hired as a rap teacher, then it was just kind of like, you know, formed Voltron for me in my life. And so I would say, yeah, last, last six, seven years, it really became a thing. Okay, so I had another question, but now I'm gonna pivot. So you're a rap teacher? Yeah, (laughs) it's it's not as cool as it sounds. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I work at a middle school in Brooklyn and um, yeah, basically teach rap. I've been working with that program for about four years now. I was working at a school in Queens before and now I work at a school in Williamsburg. And uh, yeah, teach my kids rap and poetry, you know. Um, At that age, like I said, middle school. So at that age, it's few and far between the ones that are really like trying to sink their teeth into it. But you can you can always get kids to write a little poem here and there. So 
you know, I got some dope poets. And then every once in a while, I have a really good rapper. Like I had a kid who she was awesome. She's no longer in the program, but she was an awesome rapper, like fire. I so she that's pretty dope. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? She, yo, she was killing everybody, <laughs> like blowing everybody away. Yeah. Um, it's funny. OK, so I also teach middle school and um, I try to but I teach I'm a reading specialist so I try to get students to use some of the words like if it's vocabulary or spelling I'll be like you can make um you can write a story with your words you can do a comic strip and sometimes I'll make them sometimes I'll just say you have the option but oftentimes I'll make them like write a poem mm-hmm. um, we did a rap together and um they did not enjoy it but uh, it leads me to my question in terms of like, do you find working with students and rap and poetry um, helping them in terms of their literacy or their reading and writing skills? Or is it more of like a creative space that you provide? I think, I think it's both because they're, they're sponges at that age. And so a lot of the words um, that they're learning and a lot of the ways that they're learning to combine words is, uh, is going to stick with them. Um, and it's also a creative tool for them, you know? Um, and so I think it's both. So to me, that's also a plug to kind of merge the arts and um, pedagogy. I think a lot of times we look at those two things as separate, but um, yeah, they could definitely help progress students' skills if you bring them together. Yeah, my fault. I just, real quick, I think if you just look at the history of just humans and society, so much of our um, necessary communication, especially if you look at the history of like um, African um, legacies of like the griots and like, people whose jobs it was to keep vital information, like arts. Like stuff like dancing and music isn't like an extracurricular. Th- it's only extracurricular within schools. In real life, it's a necessary part of our existence. So it shouldn't be viewed as like different, in my opinion. So I agree. Um, that kind of connects to my next question. Do you like in terms of seeing things as separate? Right. I think in society we often create these lines like you're either this or you're that or whatever so do you see an MC as being a poet yes absolutely okay and um so do you see like spitting as a form of poetry and if so why do you think rappers might not see it this way or like poets may not see it that way um it definitely is a form of poetry they're you know within the same species but they've you know branched off like poetry is the precursor to rap the idea of combining words figuratively you know dressing up your language and you know saying things in a stylistic way started with poetry um and then when you look at the beginnings of rap you had people starting to say things in a stylistic way over music you know but since it, the music got involved and the performance got involved rap kind of became its own thing now poetry oh poetry also had like a performance has always had performance but the music thing really kind of changed it for rap 
And I think also the development of just technology and the growth of hip hop where it became a thing of like, not just the serious topics that, that poetry usually touches on. Um, people using their personalities to really connect with people is really a big part of hip hop, a big part of rap. So you don't have to be, you don't have to be the most masterful writer, but you can still be a good rapper. You know, um, we all, I think we all have a rapper who's not really the, the dopest like writer, but we think that they're fun or they're like they're really cool to listen to or cool to watch doing a thing. And so rap becomes a little different in that in that form, you know, and then there's so many things that come with hip hop and come with rap because of the history of it. So sometimes people don't take it as seriously as you would take poetry. And, um, you know, I don't think that's always I don't always agree with that, but I can understand why people won't view the works of um, James Baldwin the same way they would view the works of MC Hammer, you know? So it's like, I, I can understand that, you know, but- I, I want to know why you think that though. Cause I, I mean, I think my question is rooted in, you mm -hmm. know, uh, in society, the, the whole idea of like the canon and, and what is considered uh, art and it's like a hierarchy of art that exists. Right. And I mean, do you feel like that is something that it, it rightfully exists? Or is that something that should be dismantled? Like, you know what I mean? I think it should be dismantled, absolutely. But I think we also have to just respect or rather just X, I don't say respect or accept, understand that naturally, things that are attached to serious ideas are going to be respected more than things that aren't attached to serious ideas. Can't touch. This is a super fun song, but if I asked you, if I, if I asked you, like, if we had to hold on to something for the future to remember, what are you going to rank higher? You know, people are going to rank the, the, the serious works higher than they're going to rank the quote unquote fun works. Even though I, I believe it's all, I believe it's all dope. If you have the ability to connect with millions of people with the things that you said, you're, you're amazing, you know? Um, but people are just gonna naturally connect with the serious stuff. I think you even see it with, with a lot of the um, rappers now. Like if you take like somebody versus, people will always do this Lauren Hill versus Little Kim thing, right? Where it's like, oh, Lauren, Lauren Hill is a real rapper. Cardi B is not because people will say, oh, this content is very serious. Um, and so this should be more respected than somebody talking about, you know, whatever they consider to be less important, you know, that dynamic is going to exist. Do you think that is like a Western phenomenon or do you think that is like in most societies? You know, it depends what you, it depends what you believe about, about Western influence. Because you can go into the East and, and find less acceptance for certain ideas, you know? I think you can go into certain parts of the world and that, don't, that aren't Western, that aren't Westernized necessarily. Um, and you'll have people not really accepting somebody like a Cardi B or a Megan Thee Stallion expressing the way that they express. Like there are certain societies where that wouldn't be accepted at all let alone 
that person being vaunted in society, you know? So I think it depends on what you believe the West or the West influences on the world, you know? Okay. That's definitely a rabbit hole. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, but one, one of the, one of the reasons I also asked the question about poetry and rap is because the word poem, um, it comes from the Greek poema. Mm. That's, I guess, the, the noun form and the, ver the, verb form, the verb form is poien, which means to create. Mm. So, I mean, in the long run, you know, when you create, you are making poetry. And I think you can see that in dance. I mean, dance can be poetic. Your, right. art, your visual art can be poetic. Um, I think we just typically associate it with a written form that looks a certain way and is expressed by a certain person. Right. Um, which I'm glad, you know, I think the work that you do helps to dismantle that notion. So, um, right. thank you. Yes. Uh, do you think there's a difference between spoken word and then acapella, rapping acapella? No, I think those are very, very close, you know, because if you're, when you say I remove that music for me to rap acapella, you're, you want people to take your words as serious as you take them. So I think spoken word and, and rap are pretty much almost one and the same, you know? Yes. Maybe like rapping acapella is a way that you can do spoken word and there's like several other ways that you can as well. Yeah. Um, what made you start the word of the day raps on social media? I just have to let you know this real quick. So the way I even came across, um, I, the way I came across you is because somebody shared your word of the day with me at my school. Everybody knows I love words and everything like that. And it was like a Latin teacher. Okay. <laughs> um, so I found that to be really interesting. Um, but yes, what made you get into, into that? Um, that's dope. I, I love hearing like, you know, the share stories. Um, it was, it came on a whim. It, I started it last February, February of 2021. And I remember the Saturday morning, um, I, had, I, was, I had gotten up um, and I was heading home and I just had the idea, I was like, what if I, because I have the dictionary.com app on my phone. So every morning I get the new word of the day. And I was like, you know what, what if I, because I'm always looking for something new, creative to do with rap. And I was like, yo, what if I just did a rap? about the word of the day on a regular basis. And I had actually asked a friend and then she was like, nah, that's whack. And I was like, I don't know. I think, I think I should try it. And so I tried it out. And the first word I did, what was the first word I did? Lim I think it was limerence. Limerence, which means like um, over obsessive, like feelings of love or passion. And it was like the week before Valentine's Day. So I think that's why dictionary.com had used that as the word. And so I, I put it out and people liked it. And so, you know, it was something I just started doing on a weekly basis. But like, I, I come from a, a long time, like the last eight years of my life doing a lot of different rap competitions where your job was to take a concept and then rap about that concept. So, you know, I'm, I've done all these battles where I'm like rapping as Serena Williams or I'm rapping as a football player or I'm rapping as, 
whatever, or I have to take a certain topic. You know, like one one of the end of the week competitions that I did, one of my favorite performances was when I did a, um, I did like a little theater piece rap about um, the Haitian revolution, you know? Um, and so I've spent a lot of time having to take a concept and expanding on it through rap. So this was kind of second nature for me, for me to be able to do it with the dictionary.com words. So do you write it or do you freestyle it? I, I, I write it. I write it. write it. That's between you, that's between you, me, your, your listening. Oh, you're not gonna answer. You could have just said no comment. My bad. No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to perpetrate the fraud. Nah, yeah, I definitely write them. Um, well, I'm just saying because if the word comes out that day, that means mm-hmm. that you write it and then you record it and upload it that day. Yeah, I usually write it and record it that morning. That's pretty impressive. Um, no, thank you. Because you you also teach, so that's a lot. Um, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you have the dictionary app on your phone sounds like mm-hmm. you're also like a fellow word nerd like me. Yes, I'm very much a word nerd. Okay. <laughs> okay. I actually have this podcast called The History of English yeah, that I listen to. You have that one too? I've listened to it before. Yeah, it's really, it's really fun just listening to how like the language has evolved. So what, what and I remember you said that you like etymology um Mm -hmm. one of the first things you mentioned to me so what do you think was your influence in like loving words and etymology do you think it came out of rapping or was it before that Mm, that's a good question i think maybe certain things maybe that's genetic i don't know you know my mother is a she's always done like speeches and writes my grand my maternal grandfather way back in the day he used to write for a newspaper in london and he was always very loquacious. So I think like words have just kind of been a part of me. When I was really young, I used to read a lot. And then when I got to my third high school, that same high school where I learned like that I had a little knack for stuff, my um, principal, it was a really small school. And my principal, he was very intent on like certain things. And one of those things was like kids learning words. And so he would always have us doing these exercises where we're just like learning all these different words. And I think a lot of those ended up staying with me when we were just reviewing all those different like index cards of words. So yeah, I think it just was kind of in me. Um, I usually reserve this for the end, but I can't help it. Do you have a favorite word? <laughs> That's a good question. A favorite word. I wish you had asked me this like beforehand so I could think of it. I feel like it's okay. <laughs> what would you say? I said I feel like I did, but it's okay. You did? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, what's my favorite word? All right, come back to me. Let me. I'm. I'm gonna try to think about it with my second brain while my first brain is interacting with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll come back to that question. Um. So. Do you think that etymology and, and linguistics can help an MC sharpen their sword? Yeah, I think, well, etymology and linguistics are intrinsic to, to sharpening your sword as a lyricist. Um, whether, we, whether we view it through the traditional box or not, when an MC takes a concept and then creates an entendre about a word or, you know, creates these punchlines, that's etymological. 
you know, if I say, I'm trying to think of a good punchline. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the, one of the uh, most used punchlines or metaphors in hip hop history is comparing jewelry to like ice, right? So now, so now in present day, if I say you got that ice on, it's part of the etymology of the word ice that one of the definitions, whether it's in a dictionary, whether, whether it's in like the Oxford dictionary or not, it's accepted colloquially that ice can be defined as your jewelry. So now that's etched into the, that's etched into the concept of the etymology of the word ice. And so it's, in, it's literally intrinsic to it. And I think the dope, one of the dope things about rap and about poetry is it's literally all of our jobs to almost either enforce or create new etymology, new etym etymological pathways for words, um, you know? Because every day we're like, you know, creating new concepts. And that's, you know, that's part of our culture too. Like whether it's, whether it's even like officially in a verse, like people create new slang every day and then it becomes part of the etymology of that word. Because if I, if a thousand years from now we're reading literature from from 2022 and somebody's reading, yo, dead ass, that's cat facts. It's gonna be like, okay, what does this mean? You know what I mean? I, dead and ass coming together in this space means something different than it means if I said dead and ass in a different place, right? So I think it's intrinsic. Yeah, you know, you said a lot that brought me to this thought about this book I recently finished. Um, it's called The Secret Life of Dictionaries, which to all the listeners is what the next episode will be focused on. Cause like lexicography and dictionaries, and that's a fascinating world. But, um, you know, certain words take on meanings strictly because of rappers. Right. So, and even though they're not in the dictionary, there's politics behind that as well, similar mm -hmm. to the politics behind like poetry being a rap being a form of poetry. Right. Um, so one of the things I learned from reading that book is that the lexicographers like they scour written text to find the meanings or like new meanings of words. Um, so mm -hmm. when they have the dictionary if they add words or they change or add entry level meanings to certain words, it's because of things they've read in like books and articles and things that now they have the internet. So um, I think when lyrics are written and they're on the internet, you know, I think that gives the, the ability for those, for those um, connotations, those new connotations that have developed to, be brought to the lexicographer's um, awareness, you know? So yeah. I am advocating for any rappers listening, like maybe write your lyrics out and get them on the internet so we can start getting our definitions in the dictionaries. Also, I also wanna encourage people who love language, maybe think about um, black people who love language, which all of us should, because like we create so much in language, right? Oh but um, just consider a pathway. Like I never thought about being a dictionary writer, but now I'm like, dang, that should be my new career. Wow. I should write a dictionary and like include all the black language, you know? So, yeah. you know, that's my encouragement to you too. So, you can no, yeah, no, that's a good word. 
um, no pun intended. Um, actually, you you made me thinking. You made me think of two things. Um, one is, you know, I was I haven't done it with my students yet, but I was talking to them about it the other day. Where it's like, you know, language is is a social construct, and so we can create our own language in this classroom. You know what I mean? Where we could just create new sounds that we combine and be like, yo, this means go to the bathroom, or this means um can i get a pencil or whatever it is you know um and then i was also thinking about just how languages exist in their own spaces sometimes not written down for no one and like maybe sometimes these languages die out um or aren't represented um larger scale and that may sometimes that may not be the best thing, but sometimes that may not be a bad thing. And I think about the uh, children's march from the civil rights movement, where you had the kids who were um, willfully going to prison on purpose, like they were protesting um, on purpose to fill up the prisons um, to capacity in order to get gain national attention to help some of the laws get changed. And what was dope was a big part of that is the kids were listening to certain radio stations that were like only like black radio stations in i believe this is don't quote me i believe this is in alabama and birmingham i can't remember though um but they were listening to like their radio stations and communicating in their language that like if you were white or if you were anybody else listening to this radio station you wouldn't have understood what they were organizing but they were able to organize the march through that radio station and ended up changing laws through whatever dialect they were using, you know? And I don't know if they created some new original thing or if it was already a language that existed between them. I don't know if it's anything that has spread out and that we all use commonly now or if it died out or whatever it is. But I think stuff like that is just like so amazing. So using language as a, a tool for liberation is- Right. Yeah, yes. as it as that's the goal for me teaching children literacy it's because um there's a quote in this instructional manual that i used to um utilize a lot and it's that reading and writing are emancipatory acts and um i think about like frederick Douglass. i love to teach that to my students who are like in need of intervention so who are reluctant to read because i know they have difficulties but um you know, showing them there's power behind um, language and being able to utilize it in multiple forms. Um, so definitely on board with that message. Um, let's see, I just have a couple more questions. I don't wanna take up all your time. I'll take your time, I'm, I'm chilling. Um, okay, so I feel like you probably get this a lot, but what are your thoughts about rap and hip-hop today like i don't know how old you are but you said that yeah. you started when you were in like your late 20s which gives me the idea you're probably in your 30s or so and yeah. that means that you grew up like i did kind of um i think we're at this place where like there's hip-hop that was like meaningful if you want to call it that and mm -hmm. had a message but also you know we grew up with um, 90s rap, which was not always meaningful, like gangster mm -hmm. rap or 
anything that's about shaking your ass and any of that kind of stuff. So I hear a lot of people today talk about the, the rap of today is terrible, um, whether it's how they rap or what they're rapping about. Um, I hear a lot of people my age saying that um, and people older. I just want to know what your thoughts are about, do you think, you know, Migos and anybody from today is considered not real rappers and stuff like that? Well, I mean, I'll preface it with saying um, I'm very much a hip-hop um, apologist. I'm also very much a hip-hop, um, I'm hip-hop biased. Uh, there's a lot of lack of respect that exists in the world for rap, and um, that kind of influences me always supporting hip-hop. But it doesn't come from a from a disingenuous place. It's not like if I think something, it's not like if I actually think something isn't good and I'm just like supporting it anyway. I, I think you find value in anything and it comes down to who's valuing it. Just because I grew up with something doesn't mean that something else, like I had a coworker who's from Atlanta recently and I love meeting people from the South because there's music that they, that's gospel to them that I grew up with people thinking was garbage. You know what I mean? Like artists that they're like, yo, this person is a legend. This person has done so much for like, whether it's like a young thug or if it's a future, you, you know, um, me, me and me and my coworker from Atlanta, we were just actually talking about that song Lifestyle by, um, by young thug and a bunch of them guys. And that song got trashed by like a lot of the hip hop world. That song is actually kind of where like the world, the word mumble rap came from, but you know, for people from Atlanta and him, it's like, oh no, that's classic. That's a legendary song, you know? And so I say that to say there's value in anything and there's gonna be ways that things change. The things that were important in hip hop to a certain group of people aren't gonna be important in hip hop, important in hip hop to another group of people at another, at another time. So even if I don't like something, I'm not gonna just dismiss it as, as trash. It's like, it's not for me, you know? And I just, I absorb things that are for me. Like me right now, I get more, I listen to a lot of UK rap. And so I listen, I get a lot more from, from UK rappers than I do from um, mainstream American rappers. But I still respect when my young homies are like, yo, this is dope. And actually, you know, because music and sharing of just thoughts and ideas and emceeing is a very communal thing, there's songs and artists that I wasn't really checking for that after my students were like really loving it up and having me play them, I started to kind of gain a liking for it because I'm like, okay, after I listen to this a lot, I could kind of see what it is that's dope in this. So I say that to say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think there's any, I think there's very few realms of rap that are just garbage and invaluable. I think there's dopeness at every level in mad different ways. So, you know, shout out to Migos. And we got to respect the influence that a lot of these artists have um, and what they were able to do with their music. Cause like even somebody like Migos, you know, a lot of uh, hip hop purists might trash Migos, but then there's like flows that Migos popularized that like even I use now and that are very, and it's like, you got to respect that influence. Like this, you know, I just think there's value in it all. Um, a room for everybody black. Yeah, I know that's right. <laughs> I know that's right. Uh, let's see. What are you working on now? Uh, I'm not really working on anything, man. I'm, you know, I'm doing the dictionary raps. Um, 
doing a couple of songs here and there with a couple of homies. But other than that, I'm just kind of trying to get stuff right at, at work with my students and, you know, just focusing on some personal development stuff. But um, I'm also part of a crew called Layer Rhythm. And we do, a, we have a residency in Manhattan at 92nd Street Y. And I rap with them. It's a dance crew, but I'm one of the rappers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, how did you get involved in that? That sounds really interesting. Well, my lay, the woman who runs it, she um, had a monthly event called Layer Rhythm, dance-led, where dancers kind of conduct the band. So whatever the dancers are doing, the band has to follow. And she has an MC portion. And so one month I came out to rap with them, and, you know, she, really, she liked me. And so she invited me to come back on a regular basis. And then we kind of formed this annex of the show called the Layer Rhythm um, Experiment. And we have like our residency and we do perform in different places. And so there's a part of the show where it's called Once Upon a Rhyme, um, where the crowd will give us topics, just random topics. And I'll have to rap about the topics while the band is playing while I'm communicating with the dancers. So the dancers interpret, interpreting the topics and I'm rapping about either the topics for the dancer to communicate or I'm rapping about what the dancer is doing to communicate through that. Yeah. And I also, there's also a part of the show that I do, which is a game that I kind of made up myself that I've been doing in my shows for years. It's called The Word Game, where um, I get two people from the crowd and I get them to give me topics or words to freestyle about. And I say, I tell the crowd, if you approve of how I freestyle about the word, then y'all say word, and then we move on to the next word. So people just give me well, any words. Word. Huh? <laughs> Does anyone not say word? I mean, I would imagine they always say word. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like pat myself on the back, but they always. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so that game is a lot of fun. It keeps me on my toes, you know. Which is another reason why like the dictionary thing isn't that hard for me because I'm used to just freestyling about random words on the spot. So for me to have to like just sit down for, you know, a little while and write out with no pressure, it's cool. <laughs> um, okay, so it's another question off script. Uh, Your thing. <laughs> so, for, and this is also personal question for myself, but anyone else out there too, if you want to be a better rapper, what would you suggest you do? That's a skill I'm working on, strengthening of mine. The, import, the most important, you want to be a better rapper or you want to be a, a better rapper in front of people? Ooh. The second. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the most important part is working on getting comfortable rapping in front of people. Because I, I really... I, so in the beginning of the interview, you were hyped that um, the student that I said was my best student was a was a young lady, was a girl. And I think specifically, because this applies for boys too, absolutely. But I think specifically for, for girls, and I'm not saying this is your situation, but young women tend to be better, like in, when they start off, they tend to be like better MCs, better lyricists than boys. But they're much less likely to feel, for whatever reason, it seems like some, they're more often to less, feel less likely to want to perform 
and feel confident presenting that talent in front of people, you know? Like that kid that I said, like she's amazing. Actually, it's, <laughs> like I have two students who, were, who are really good writers. And, you know, we had like an open mic at the school and neither of them wanted to perform. And then one of them, she asked somebody else to perform her piece because she didn't want to perform. And it was a competition. And I was like, hey, you know, if you win, you're going to get like this. It was like a really good prize. It was like AirPods, you know, AirPods ain't cheap. Right. She was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And so she asked somebody else to perform her piece. And then somebody else won the AirPods with her piece. And then she was like hurt. And I was like, yo, like we were like begging you to perform it. And, you know, and I, I, I but I'm glad she experienced that because I think that's a good lesson for her where it's like, yo, I got to up my confidence because my stuff is good enough to win, to win with. But um, so not just, not just applicable for women, but I'm just saying from my experience with girls, it seems like they're less confident performing in front of people. But for anybody, whether you're a woman or you're a man, up your confidence and just get more confident performing in front of people. And then just practice. You know, behind the scenes practices, keep on, just keep on practicing, keep on writing, keep on listening to rap, because that's a big part of it too. Like what you absorb, you know, what you absorb. Somebody once said you can never, I don't know if this is true, but somebody once said you can never be better than whatever you think the best is. I don't know how true that is. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that is a good reference of just like absorb the content that you want to emulate because you're going to become your own person in it you're not going to be the people that you're listening to but eventually you're going to grow your own style but you're going to have to have a footing and like what's dope in my opinion i know that was a very long-winded answer yeah it was he was taking notes (laughs) (laughs) um two two questions left um one is i noticed that you wrapped in french on a couple mm-hmm. before the day. Do you speak French fluently? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm like you. I know. I just have a love affair with that language. Yo, when I was in elementary school, I had a Spanish teacher, and I did not like him. I don't remember why I didn't like him. I remember his name, too. I'm not going to say his name, because that would be messed up. <laughs> um, and so when I got to junior high school, and they were like, they allowed me to choose what language I was going to learn, and I was just like, I don't, I didn't like my Spanish teacher, my Spanish teacher, so I'm taking French. So I took French, and in my sixth grade, French teacher, I believe her name was Miss Palmieri. She was awesome. She was awesome. She was a lot of fun, and so she made French fun for me. And then ever since then, I just, like, was always taking French in school. And I remember we had a trip to go to Paris um, in my sophomore year, and then my family, you know, my mom couldn't afford to send me. And so that kind of also created like this, like, oh, man, I want to go to Paris. I like French. Um, and then, you know, I'm from Flatbush, Brooklyn, and there's a lot of Haitians here. And, then, you know, the dialect, the Creole, it's like, it's a, you know, there's always been some influence to that. And so I really like the language a lot. Yeah. Do you have any other languages that you really like or would like to learn? Mm. Any, honestly, I always said, yo, I would give up a pinky to learn to be like fluent in every language. Wow. But I would say like polyglot. 
<laughs> yeah, I wish I was. Like, language is just so awesome. Maybe, maybe Japanese. Um, I think from a practical perspective, it would just be dope to be fluent in, like, the most popular languages in the world, you know? So, like, French, uh, Chinese, Mandarin, um, you know, Spanish. What about you? Do you have a, a language that you're fluent in besides English? No. Not okay, is there a language that you would love to be? Um, Amharic. Oh, where, where is that from? It's, it's the language they speak in Ethiopia. Okay, why that? Um, I think it's a beautiful language. Just like when I hear, we have a lot of Ethiopians in D.C. Um, mm, okay. Very large population. Um, so I love to hear it being spoken. I think it's really fascinating because uh, the language is, they use a different letter, letter form than we do. We don't, we're an alphabetic letter form. Um, there's, they, their base, like the base of their letter gives you the consonant sound and then like a little accent, depending on like where it is and, and how it's drawn on each of the base letters tells you the vowel sound. And so it's a syllabic language in that effect. So I think it's really cool, very different. And then um, I love Ethiopian food and I want to go to Ethiopia and be able to like speak and just live and be and exist in Ethiopia because I, I really think the culture is beautiful. Food, people, yeah. They have an interesting history too. They do, they do. I think that's what my first draw was even before I moved to DC. Uh, mm. But the more I'm around Ethiopians, I just I'm like, yeah, I'm in love with everything about your culture. But yes, history wise, being so ancient, um, I definitely wanna go and visit the different, um, the different um, churches. And I mean, I know that they even have a lot of like spiritual, um, elements in terms of like they have a river that is considered to be um very sacred kind of like in india you have the ganges so yeah yeah i'm an africa i'm an africa enthusiast all the way <laughs> that's what's up but even like the history of like rastafarianism and marcus garvey and how all that ties in is really cool yeah yeah so um and then the other language would be spanish just because, mm -hmm. um, actually I take that back. Spanish, before Spanish, it would be Latin. And I always tell my students this. So I teach at a school where um, it's fifth through 12th grade and mm -hmm. starting in fifth grade, students take Latin and they have to, if they, if they go to the high school, they have to have four years of Latin. Um, so they get one like high school credit in seventh grade and one in eighth grade and then two more ninth and tenth so like latin is the central language of our school and I was, my students my my um students are like oh it's it's a dead language why do we have to learn it and i tell them how i wanted to take french when i was in high school and yeah. my mom was like no you should take latin and i was like that's stupid um like nobody just like what my students say and my mom understood that if i learned latin it would help me to learn uh, other romance languages, but yeah. I, you know, I wasn't hip. So 
Mm -hmm. uh, the compromise was Spanish. But now looking back, I wish I did that. So then I could have had access to Latin, I mean, excuse me, French, Spanish, and Italian. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's dope. Shout out to moms for the foresight. Did your moms teach as well? No, it's funny. She, she actually is a software engineer, but she went to college to be a math teacher. Okay. Yeah, but I have an aunt who taught in Brooklyn for like 20 years. Really? Dope. Yeah, she taught elementary school. Elementary school, okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, shout out to teachers in general. Black right. teachers get that, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I heard you say that you're a reader. So, or you were, you said you read a lot when you were young. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't put me on the spot because... <laughs> That's fair. Okay, well, have you read, and the question I asked was, what's the last good thing you read? And I said, it could be a book or article, back of a cereal box. My students are like, Miss Lee Bay, I read, because I'll be like, you need to go home and read something. Oh, I read, I put the TV on silent, and then I put the captions on, and I read. And I'm like, gosh, gosh. But then I have kids who like, who do stuff like that, and they have like the best vocabulary. Yeah. A lot of language from, I mean, I'm in a writer's group, I'm in a couple of writer's groups, and one of the groups I'm in, um, they said, you know, TV is written. So you watch TV, you're watching writing, even though you're not reading it, you know, but it's, it's, it's a form of writing. So I have to like, I had to work to like expand my mind about what it means to read. So that's my question. Have you read anything, period, that's interesting lately? Um, well, before I answer that, you know, I think whenever people see me to doing like the dictionary raps, people always be like, yo, you must read so much. How, how many books do you read? And I'm just like, I really don't <laughs> read that much because I agree with what you said. Like, like physical books is one thing, but I just do a lot of just reading and I listen to, I just, I, I do a lot of absorbing, absorbing of content in just different ways. But the last really good book I read in the beginning of 2021, I actually picked up this book that I had started years ago and I never finished it. And then I went, I, I went and grabbed it and I picked it back up, picked it back up. And I was so glad that I did. It's called Africans in America. It was this book that accompanied a PBS special from like 1996, detailing the journey of, of slaves, of Africans from Africa through slave trade to up until about emancipation. Um, and it was a powerful read for me because even though, you know, in my 30 plus years on this planet, you know, you know I'm pretty well versed in, in knowing like the story of slavery and our history, but it was different because it was given like these detailed um, stories. Some of them were anecdotal, but a lot of it was just like, just like the real, like just bringing stuff down, like bringing me closer to like the day to day. And it really, it really inspired me because it made me think of the fact that like, yo, like my ancestors came through so much, you know? Cause a lot of the story, you know, we'll usually get from, you know, from the slave ship, but then like this book was also talking about, you know, the entire journey in Africa where like some people were being 
abducted by other Africans, you know, maybe 300 miles away from the coast and walking like, like they're being stolen from families or it was people who owed debts or people who were, um, you know, considered um, castaways in society. And they had to go through like this whole treacherous journey through Africa and then go through this other treacherous journey on a slave ship and then deal with all this other treacherous stuff once once we once we landed here and getting everything in detail was kind of refreshing and just empowering remembering just everything that we've been through and just like like I know it may sound it may sound weird to people to some people but like it gave me a pride in in like the slave trade in a way where it was just like yo we've been through so much like I, not not taking pride in the slave like I don't that sounds crazy not no. taking pride in the slave trade but taking a lot of pride in my like the literal reason I'm alive is because my ancestors survived all of that so they literally survived all of it and then I was able to exist because of that and so that was really empowering it's called Africans in America it has it has like a but I got to find the title of it. it has a bunch of writers because it was like a whole bunch of people getting all this information from different places to put it together but yeah that was a really great book uh, yeah. that sounds like it's a non-fiction book right it's yes a, it is it is non-fiction mm -hmm. um, so it, i i always like to talk about paired text with me and my fellow teacher reader nerd friends and so uh that book that you just mentioned reminds me of two books that you might be interested in. They are fiction, though. Um, one of them is called The Truth About a Ouija. It's by Christine Platt. Um, a lot of people know Christine Platt through her book, uh, The Afro Minimalist. But she wrote, she wrote and she self-published this really beautiful book about... Um, the concept is they say that the hurricanes that take place like throughout the Caribbean and um, in southern, southern USA are the spirits of ancestors, mm -hmm. the enslaved. And so she wrote a book centered on that idea. And so Awiti is, um, was kidnapped or, well, her, her, her tribe, there was a raid on her tribe and, you know, um, she escaped, but her family and all the people she knew were either killed or taken into captivity. And so she threw, I don't want to give the book away, but she becomes like this, this spirit and she travels and it's like individual stories from the time she was in Africa to the present day, like up to Hurricane Katrina. Um, and she represents the hurricane and like all the havoc that she's bringing, but it's for, it's in, it's seeking retribution for all the crimes that have been committed against black people, not just slavery. Cause like I said, it goes up through 2001. So that's a really good book you might be interested in. And then the other one is called, oh, don't give me the lion. I'm actually trying to look at my bookshelf now. I think it's called Home Going, Home Going by Yag Yasi. And that is telling, it starts off with um, two women, two sisters, I believe, who were of the same tribe, 
in West Africa, uh, but one is kidnapped and is uh, enslaved in America, and then the other stays in, I think they're in Ghana, stays in Ghana um, and like it intermarries with the European family. And so it tracks their lineage, um, both in Africa and in America. And mm. from that time up to present day. So wow. check those out. I think they sound like they'd be right up your alley just based on the nonfiction book that you mentioned. No, yeah, thank you. Yep. That story that you just um, mentioned about, you know, the spirit uh, coming back as a hurricane, it reminded me of when I was doing the Haitian Revolution piece and I was, do you know, when I was doing my research on it before I did it, um, one of the cool stories that I learned was, so there was a hundred years before the Haitian Revolution, um, there was a brother named Makandal who lived in Haiti. And apparently he was a chef for the enslavers in Haiti. And what he used to do was poison, he would secretly poison the, um, his enslavers through the food that he was cooking. Um, um, eventually he figured him out and, you know, he killed him. But the lore was that he would return as a mosquito and what actually ironically ended up happening a hundred years, well, not ironically, but actually ended up happening a hundred years later is a big part of the reason why the Haitians won the Haitian revolution is because of the Europeans dying from the yellow fever and malaria that the mosquitoes were giving them. Um, and so like killed European soldiers. I mean, a lot of Haitians died from it too, but it killed the European soldiers by like the hundreds of thousands. And so that was so crazy how, you know, it was like the mosquito, he, homeboy really came back as the mosquito in real life. So, yeah. Yeah, this, the tradition of, um, you know, magic as it's called in the West anyway, um, is so strong in black culture and black communities and like the use of it again as a tool like we use everything as a tool to liberate ourselves because we actually have to still to mm -hmm. this day um and it makes me think about hoodoo uh that's another well hoodoo in general right but i also read um zora neale hurston's uh mules of men and like the first half is telling folk lore but the second half is all about hoodoo and okay. uh so there's like a connection it sounds like we're creating a little book club here so um but there's a connection between all these things um, yeah people sometimes just look at as um like a story um but you know you can't deny you can't deny the fact that if this man if they say he came back as a mosquito and then these people are dying from you know, all That's these things that come from mosquito. Real as ever, yeah. <laughs> that is, a, like I said, within the black tradition, we don't look at that as magic. That's just, that's just what it is, so. Yeah. And something I, I like to bring up, um, pivot, to pivot a little bit away from that, but still in reference to the Haitian Revolution, because I don't think it's ever taught enough, is the dopest thing I learned when I was studying that was the Haitians winning the revolution was 
like the catalyst for why the Louisiana purchase happened. And so, you know, the 11 now, 11, 12 states that are now, you know, states that were part of the Louisiana purchase territory, that sale only happened because of the Haitian revolution and the Haitian liberation. And so like the entire West is like due to Africans freeing themselves, the entire Western side of America existed. We, you know, I, I like French. We probably all would have been speaking French if it wasn't for um, the Haitians kicking ass. So, yeah. Mm. Um, is, that, is that a language that you want to learn too, Haitian Creole? Uh, um, po. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, back to my actual for real last question. Did you know mm. what your favorite word is? Mm. I don't think I could think of a favorite word right now. I would say I think V is one of my favorite letters. Okay, that's different. Why? I don't know. Something about it. Something feels elegant about it. V. I don't know. It's a labial. Um, I think labials are like fun to say, especially like the word. What are the labials? Uh, a labial is a word that, excuse me, a, uh, a consonant sound that you make that involves your lips. So okay. I think that actually would be considered a dental labial, labial because mm-hmm. like B and P, those are pure labials because I'm just okay. using my lips. Okay. Oh yeah, dental labial because I'm using my teeth. Right. Like, like it's fun to say F words. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think fuck is just fun to say because it's taboo. I mean, I think it also, I think that guttural k is real sharp. And then the yeah. part, um, I don't know, there's a sensation of like putting your teeth to your lip. That's kind of nice. Okay. I um, think that's how I feel about V. I feel like most viewers just feel like, whether it's victory. Mm. violence, voluptuous, um, vigorous. There's something about starting with that letter V that just feels, I don't know. I think also is the difference between F and V is um, F is non-vibrating and V mm. is. So like when you say V, you kind of yeah. a little tingle. Maybe that's what I like, the vibration. <laughs> Ooh, <so> sensual. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, thank you for putting me on. <laughs> vibes. Yeah, the vibes, straight up, yeah. which actually starts with a V. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, uh, I just want to thank you for all the time that you've given me today. Like, this is yeah. so rich. And I have to tell you, people were, like, looking forward to this episode. Really? Yeah, I've never oh. had anybody look forward to an episode before, so. Oh, wow, that's so awesome. Shout out to your people. Shout out to you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully this is not the last. Um, yeah, definitely. Is it, do you have time for me to ask you a question, too? Sure. Uh, why did you start? First of all, I think the etymology rules page is, is awesome. Um, and so, like, why did you start it? Um... So I actually had a mentor. So my book, little plug, is finally out. Nice. Um, thanks. And in the, in the acknowledgments, 
Um, I think somebody who taught me, like he sat me down. Uh, this was at a time when I was not teaching full time. I was at a tutoring business. Um, so I was doing that part time. I was, at, I was teaching at a community college, like an adjunct. So I had a lot more time in my day than I do now. And um, I was at a lecture and the lecturer was talking about etymology. It's a black man out of Philly. Um, it's actually, that's a whole nother story. I won't get into that at the moment. But um, he's a black man out of Philly and he was coming down to do these lectures every other week. And so- Dr. Umar. Not Umar. <laughs> have you ever heard of, um, have you ever heard of Taj Street Bay? Mm, Tariq Bay. No, no. Okay. Well, I, don't. I so think I'm getting that name. Yeah, no, no. Um, Tashri Bay had somebody who he taught. His name is um, Abdullah. Mm -hmm. um, Abdullah Mosi Bay. And so I was meeting up with him, and he was teaching me like uh, we would meet up around ten in the morning, and we would be work like sitting at the in the bottom of Union Station uh in the little food court and he like would bring all his papers and books like he would make photocopies of chapters and books and he would just sit and teach me and so he was like you should write a book and i was like okay i think i will and so that was like probably eight years ago um and so i actually finished the book i finished writing in probably like 2017 and then i went back to school to get um I have a master's in special ed, but I got a second master's in reading instruction. And so then I was like, I'm making connections between etymology and literacy. So I went back and I added to the book and um, that's what started. Like it just started off. I wanted to teach people about etymology so they could build their literacy instruction skills, but then it kind of morphed into just linguistics and language in general. Um, and so that's how we got where we are today. I just like to listen to different podcasts, read different books, anything that's about language. I'm going to bring an etymological spin to it because, um, I mean, I, I believe in like origins. I think origins are very important. You don't you can't understand the things of the present if you don't understand what it grew from. And I think that's like a very ancient African principle, right? Like the whole idea of the Sankofa bird. Mm -hmm. I think etymology fits into that concept. So. Well said, well said, yeah. Wait, but what made you actually start the Instagram? Oh, the Instagram? Oh, because I was trying, I'm trying to sell a book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, okay, smart. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like taking on its own. That's why I'm saying I, it started with the book, but then... You know, I started the, the Instagram and uh, we're also on Tumblr, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. But I started all that because I wanted people to know about this book, but then it morphed into all the things that I'm learning about language that I'm, I'm engaging in that's language related. I want to share it through these platforms. Are you on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. I've been like experimenting with reels on Instagram, but I'm not on TikTok. I don't know. I just, because my kids are on TikTok, there's a little part of me that's like, where's the separation? But yeah, I think, a, I think a black woman doing etymology on TikTok could do well. You know, I think that could really do well. 
So I don't want to steal your idea, but my best friend. So the reason why I asked you about the the rap thing is that um, my best friend and I started a rap group this past summer. So I used to I used to perform maybe like 13 years ago. I was very comfortable. Now I'm very shy, but mm-hmm. um, we started a group and we were doing these little things called vinyasa flows. So, you know, vinyasa is a yogi term. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so you know, we were trying to make that a thing. And she was like, you should do some raps about etymology. And I was like, oh, nobody's going to care. Just like you said that your friend said, nobody right. can fuck with it. And she keeps trying to push me. I'm thinking about it. Um, I mean, you absolutely should do it. I mean, what I... Like what I'm doing is, uh, you know, different, a specific thing. But what you you what you would be doing would kind of be its own thing, especially because you have a very good understanding of of etymology. And like I said, you being a black woman doing it, I think, like, there's just like it's a very unique. Like before I even knew who you were, me getting the validation of like an etymology page, like rocking with me felt good you know what i mean like oh damn like okay i appreciate that you know i would have still been doing it but it's like okay cool all right people who know what the hell they're talking about actually find value in this and so being that you know what the hell you're talking about i think you should take i think you should take it to tiktok you know do it you know take it light because when you first start off you're not going to have like a crazy amount of followers anyway so you know take it light try out some different things and if you want to start off with ig huh you can share TikTok to IG though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been doing. So what I what I do, I've been kind of doing my own specific thing where I share it to IG first, and then I'll share it to TikTok a little bit later, just because I'm I'm kind of just trying to grow it on IG before I swing it over to TikTok. My TikTok is starting to grow a little bit, little by little by little. I keep getting a little bit more likes, a little bit more followers. Um. But if you do post it on TikTok, it gives you, it literally gives you a prompt to um, bring the video over to Instagram. So the two kind of work in unison, but I think you should do it. It would be a great idea. And like, I know you don't really post your face on too much on your content, but that would help a lot too. I think so too. I've been thinking about that. You know, I wasn't trying to make it about me, but I realized, because I've been doing some, um, like uh, business type workshops. Like they have this thing called Grow with Google. Um, and so they're just teaching about using the internet to sell stuff. And so mm-hmm. it said you drive people with your personal brand to whatever your business brand is. So but like I said, I'm a cancer, so I'm very shy. Um, <laughs> so it's something I'm trying to push through. But um, I am on spring break, so I have a lot of time to meditate and work on content. So I'm going to definitely take that into consideration. Yeah, yeah, you got this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is for real, the last question. Um, Unfortunately, I don't plan to put this on YouTube. uh, Mm -hmm. Because if I did, then everybody could see your dope shirt. Oh, what am I wearing? Oh, yeah, my... Did you do that on purpose? Was that for? Was no, that- I there was it actually wasn't on purpose. This is my this is my gym shirt, and I was just like, I right, was a shirt that I could wear to the gym, but also wouldn't look too bad on camera. And so, I'll put this on. Actually, you might like this. 
this shirt I bought for my 2019. So I, I won the world championship event of the week twice, but I won the um, U.S. championship three times. And so when I won the third championship in 2019, I did a um, performance where I was, um, let me see, how, make it kind of short. So end of the week has five rounds and each round you do something different. And so I had already done it a lot of times and I was like, this is my last time I'm gonna do it. What can I really do to push the envelope? And I decided to do the entire competition blindfold. I saw um, that. You saw that, right? Yeah. And so I was, I used blindness as like a center. I didn't wanna just like make it shallow. And so like I studied, you know, what it was like to be blind, listen to some podcasts about blindness, watch some YouTube videos. And so what I did for my acapella round was I took blindness and like braille and kind of creating this idea where I'm making you feel the words without, it's some convoluted thing, but basically I was wearing this shirt because throughout my rap, the verse, every word in the verse was the next consecutive letter in the alphabet. So let me see if I could find it, if I still have it on me. Cause I don't remember it off top. So, oh wow. So it was like an alpha, it was alphabetical order, the words that you were saying. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I still have it on this phone, but basically it was, Apply better create, apply better creativity. Damn it, every day. Furious. I wish I could remember it. Hold on, let me see if I could find it. Okay, boom. I said apply better creativity. Damn it, every day. Furious focus grows haters hues into jealousy's jade. Kid, look, my name's Osiris, pushing quintessential relentless style to Uganda, Ukraine, Uruguay. Understandably, vampires want to Xerox Yokozuna Zenith. And then I went backwards. Y'all yellow, x-raying with weak vision, undermining the science required. Quit peeking. Only novices mimic light. Killers just ignite. Homie has hubris how? Get folded, exterminated, deaths contrite. Cause boy being assumed as bright carries drawbacks. Everyone's expectations frequently goddamn high. Innovation, juggling knives, language manipulation. Nigga, open playing Quidditch, quoting Queen's Rhapsody, repeatedly recited 17 times. These unsatisfiable, vicious, wicked xenophobes, yin, yet yang, zealous, young, zen, oh. These, hold on. <laughs> These unsatisfiable, vicious, wicked xenophobes, yin, yet yang, zealous, young xenophiles who vividly understand truth, Still seductively rip riveting quips, putting on nebulous magical loops, knowing kings just impress. Chutzpah happens. Gotham forever erects dopeness. Can blind ambition bring Belgium closer? Your chosen Braille assassin. Damn. And that's <laughs> why you and that's why you are arguably, because we didn't even talk about this, um, which I said I wasn't going to, but that's why you're arguably the best rapper in the world. Because of that. Arguably. So I mean, I, like, I don't like, I don't want to, I don't like, you know, I don't want to boast. But so what was really dope about that performance was, so I prepped for that for you know a couple of months. That was only one piece. 
I did mad things, right? I did like a Nipsey Hustle tribute with dance. So you saw the whole thing. Um, but what was really awesome about that is I prepped that whole show. And like the day before I find out that my favorite rapper of all time was going to be one of the judges, Lupe Fiasco. And he loved the performance. He loved it. And then me and him ended up actually being cool after. So that was really just like so, 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 so awesome. And then another level of it that was really cool is I was blindfolded the whole time. So he's loving the performance, but I don't even see it. So I'm kind of just like in my own world, just like, you know, hoping that things are going well and just going based off crowd reaction because I can't see. But yeah. I think so. I would probably like that even better. Like, right. blindfolded, you know, like you said, being in your zone as opposed to kind of, I imagine like when I'm on stage, I'm constantly surveying the crowd and like, okay, are they feeling it? I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I want to just put it out. Cause that's right. Like to- it kept me on my toes. It really kept me on my toes. Cause I really, I mean, I could go based off crowd reaction, but I, I didn't really have a feel of like what was going on. And so I had to stay focused the entire time, you know? So then with the whole um, Royce the Five Nine and that whole thing, yeah. like, I don't know, how did you feel about, did you imagine that you would, it would get to that point where now like these two rappers, um, prolific, prolific rappers at that are kind of arguing about whether, it's really an argument whether you're the best rapper in the world. That's what it came down to. I know it started off with the end of the in, end of the week, um, yeah. whether that's like credentials or not. But then it really came down to you. So, did you even imagine it would get to that level? How did you feel about that experience? I, I mean, I wouldn't even know how to. It was so much going on in my life at the time. <laughs> it was so much going on in my life. It was hard to really just. Obviously, I was hyped. It was exciting. You know, my favorite rapper and like Royce are talking about me. Uh, but, you know, I'm still an MC at the end of the day. And so when Royce started throwing his jabs, I was like, okay, all right, it's time for me to get in the ring. <laughs> but, you know, that's all, that's all water under the bridge now. Everything is peace. But it was really fun. It was exciting. I mean, sometimes even, I don't think it's even really hit me yet. Like the other day I was telling somebody about it. And like seeing them get hyped when I was telling them, it kind of hit me like, oh yeah, actually that is kind of crazy. But it hasn't even really hit me, you know, cause I, I just kind of, you know, I just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of like put my head down and just do my thing with my rap music. I don't really, I don't really observe myself from outside myself too, too, too much as an MC. Um, but it was amazing for sure. Yeah. Well, like I said, I would argue just, Anybody who tried to tell me, oh, I'm the best MC, I'm be like, nah, you gotta come see my man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, sister. To me. So, um, I really appreciate you. Yeah, and I appreciate you for like giving me your Sunday morning and talking about word stuff and language and all the things that I love. So. I, listen, you, you're, you being a supporter has been like validating and affirming for me. Even the fact I had stopped doing it for like a month. And then because we were talking, um, that was part of the reason I was like, you know, I need to jump back into it. And so that's why I did the couple that I did this week. So, yeah. Yes, I'm glad to hear that. And that means 
our our um, mission is we're we're hitting our mission, which is um, I'm trying to build word conscious communicators. And like I said, there's various forms that that can that we could communicate with our words. And so you're doing it. And what I value is one of the highest art forms. It's, it's not easy to spit off the top of your head. Like, right. That's a lot. Right. <laughs> so I want to thank you for this interview, Osiris. And I want to encourage everybody once again to follow him on Instagram at Maroon Waters. That's M-A-R-O-O-N Waters, W-A-T-E-R-S. And of course, follow Etymology Rules if you're on, if you aren't already. And lastly, uh, our book is out, as I've been saying. So check it out. You can find it on Amazon, both in a print and the Kindle version. Till next time, I can't wait to share more word knowledge with y'all.